Hello and welcome to After Office Hours with the Puget Sound Economic Forecaster. It is that time of year where many people reflect on the year past and think enthusiastically about the one ahead. As economists, we're used to reflecting on the past as we make an attempt to forecast the months ahead and what the reality may be. As I reflected, I kept coming back to these classic lines. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is the area which we call the forecast zone. With credit and apologies to Rod Serling, it does seem to fit, perhaps a little too well. We developed this podcast in our social media stream to give you the inside glimpse of what it's like to be sitting in our research center and overhearing all of our side conversations as we track what is going on in the economy. Yes, you could someday find yourself surrounded by economists, so this is good training. From the looks of things, we remain months away from being back in our research center. More on that in a minute. We are keeping these conversations alive though via email, Zoom, chats, and I think given the option, a few of our team members might be willing to try some drone-based note delivery. We are now a month out from our first publication of our December forecast. It seems like a great time to talk about what we know now and where our thoughts are heading. To help you track the different items we'll be discussing, please note that we're recording this episode on January 15th, 2021. Before diving into our current economic thoughts, let's see who's here today. My name is James McCafferty and I serve as the general manager and publisher for the newsletter. But it's a team that makes the newsletter happen from outside partners and our center's own research team. Dr. Hart Hodges is an economic professor at Western Washington University. Hart writes the regional forecast article and will occasionally contribute other articles based on the topics. Hart and I both co-direct the Center for Economic and Business Research at Western. Josh Granbush has worn many hats in our center and is currently a data consultant, which sounds incredibly high tech. Josh has worked with many of our models and provides a wide array of insights into the forecast. Despite our best efforts, Josh is also a graduate student at the University of Washington. Brianna Berkson has been with our center for several years and is currently a graduate assistant from Western's MBA program. Brianna creates many of our articles and conducts way more research than she will ever be able to admit. We are still practicing good social distancing for this edition of After Office Hours with not feet, but miles between us. So with all of that, grab your beverage of choice. You are likely in your own home after all. And let's take a look what's happened the past few weeks. December is traditionally a slow month in many respects, but the usual bet is a non-starter. We have an inbound administration in DC, COVID, and a whole lot of activity in the past month to consider for the road ahead. Let's start with the obvious place. COVID-19 continues to leave its mark on the region's economy, but there are vaccinations and stories of schools reopening. For some, it gives hope. Hart, should we find hope or is this one of those cases where it just gets complicated? Yes. I mean, the hope is obvious and, and I think well-founded. Well uh, lots of people have had their first vaccine. Some have even had the, the second dose. We're certainly going to be seeing people active again in, in time, traveling, going out to eat. So absolutely, hope. Complicated? Yes, of course. Delays. Uh, getting the vaccines to everybody is not as easy as some had expected. And then different strategies from different states, different regions. So that part gets complicated. How do I know when it's safe to go to restaurants or, or to, to travel? That part gets complicated. So we've got, we've got several months of that, that mix of hope and challenges, sort of 
volatility in the emotions, not just the marketplace. How about that? That's that's a that's a fair place to start. I, I see that uh, the the inbound Biden administration has uh, been releasing the information about a potential stimulus uh, effort they're going to be proposing here. Any thoughts on that? Personally, like to see it right because you've got a lot of people still unemployed. The numbers ticked up this past week, so uh, a little a little bit more help uh, help to the states. Right, uh, a lot of, a lot of. Uh, work on the states in terms of their budgets, uh, how to pay for, you can fill in the blank, uh, schools or, or something else. So I think there's a lot to like in, in the stimulus plan that, that the Biden administration is proposing. We'll see what sort of pushback we get as people start to worry again about uh, debt and, and other items. But I, I think hopeful on that front, and I think you can actually look past uh, the, the first round of stimulus, or this, not first, first from the Biden administration, sort of third round overall, uh, and then you'll hear some talk about uh, infrastructure spending, which could also be helpful. Sounds good. I, I'm looking forward to seeing where all this goes and how it affects our modeling. Uh, retail spending obviously will be affected, and that should push some modeling uh, forward for us as well, which is exciting. Brianna, you worked on the recent article about COVID. It was entitled The Winter of COVID-19, and that sounds nice and ominous. Anything to add from uh, today's perspective on that article? I would agree with a lot of what Hart had to say. Um, in the meantime, COVID spiking, people are worried. I'm down in California where things are out of control. And so my optimism that I had back in December, despite the title of the article, I'm a little more pessimistic. Um, we've seen the Johnson & Johnson vaccine run into some speed bumps, same with the AstraZeneca vaccine. Also, there had been news that the federal government was going to release some reserves of vaccine that they'd kept for second doses. But according to some reporting by the Seattle Times today, those reserves may not actually exist. They were already sent out. So it's gonna be a matter of how quickly we can speed up our vaccination timelines and what trajectory the pandemic takes over the next few months. By the summer, hopefully things will be better. Right now, I think folks are looking at seven to eight months for vaccination. But again, that'll depend on production and distribution. I'm also excited to see the new stimulus and the money to states, hopefully to help with that last stage of distribution. Yeah, the projections for the uh, vaccine distribution has been interesting to watch. We've we've been saying for, I don't know, hard, we've probably been at least six months here that we've talked about, well, we think July. July looks like a good target people should be thinking about. And a lot of the national, a lot of the national uh, forecasts have kind of echoed that same thinking. Uh, the, the recent news today and yesterday has, has been for Washington State at least seven or eight months out based on this uh, double to almost triple the amount of vaccinations being delivered. And that appears to not be possible based on the supply that were being reported today. So in the next few weeks, as people listen to this podcast, um, you can find out how accurate the reporting is today, I guess, uh, because today's news doesn't sound like we're, we're gonna be able to stick to that schedule very well. So let's, uh, let's uh, switch over to the regional, uh, regional outlook. So Josh, there's been a lot of regional news. Boeing's accelerating the move of the 787 line to South Carolina. Others are talking about changes in where and how they're doing work. 
any enhancements to what people should be thinking about as far as the regional forecast? Yeah, well, the Puget Sound continues to do better than most regions across the country, although I'm using the word better with a handful of salt and some hefty air quotes. Uh, tech has been in the news recently, um, I think something about a Twitter ban. Uh, but for Seattle, tech continues to be one of the things keeping our region's economy afloat uh, from that macro perspective. Um, and what I mean by that is looking at total income and retail sales, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, but both of those have stayed relatively high. Um, and this is because these tech sectors, amongst other middle and high income sectors, have retained employment for the most part. And one of the only places they could put their money is retail, you know, with travel and services not really being available. Of course, the picture is entirely different for people employed in low-income industries or who were employed in those industries, you know, such as arts and entertainment, hotels, restaurants, etc. Um, we still see record unemployment in those sectors and that are so reliant on those in-person interactions. And that's uh, not just the story of the Puget Sound, but the story of the rest of the country right now. There's just two different economic realities. And we've been hammering that home a bit in, in the forecast uh, publications, as you've seen. Uh, the, the labor market is just really unbalanced right now between a high-flying housing market and a labor market for middle and high-income jobs that's doing well, as well as a very, very bad one for those in those low-income sectors. Um, thankfully, I think we're about to see a much larger government aid package in the pipeline, as Brianna and Hart and James were just talking about. Um, but, you know, properly administered vaccines and continued mask wearing are the true ticket out of here. True enough. I, I, Brianna, retail sales is the barometer many people seem to use to think about the general economy, whether they're right or wrong for that. But again, people just kind of look at that. For many, it's uh, it's measured by the number of retail establishments. So we talked about this, how this might change post-COVID in the last forecaster. Anything you think we should add to that? I think there are a few big things we need to look at. First is using the number of retail establishments as our metric habit forming takes about six weeks. And now we're coming on about a year of stay at home orders and other COVID restrictions. And so a lot of retail sales and spending has shifted toward online purchases. And as these habits are formed, they're likely to continue on into the future. So the number of retail sales establishments in counties is likely to decrease. But this is not necessarily a bad thing because people are still buying the things they need. And the U.S. has had a historically high amount of retail space per capita compared to other countries. Another thing to think about is whether retail sales, the dollar figure, is a good metric of the economy's performance. We see that the retail sales index for our leading index has recovered substantially from the beginning of the pandemic. But is that economic recovery or is that just shifting in spending? People aren't spending as much on travel or concerts or sports or food at restaurants. And so maybe their spending is just shifting more to durable goods and the economy isn't as good as the index might lead us to believe. A third thing to think about is the distribution of sales between different zip codes. We've seen a lot of store closures in high income zip codes as 
people in those areas are more likely to be able to work from home and not go into the office, are more able to make their purchases online and stay out of stores. The decreases have been less noticeable in lower income zip codes. But as vaccines roll out and people are more comfortable going back to work in person, going back to shopping in person potentially, we think that the recovery in terms of retail sales and businesses will be much faster in the higher income zip codes and the lower income zip codes where decreases have been smaller now are likely to persist for longer. I've seen two articles recently. One said that Seattle now has more renters than owners. Another stated that investors were building spec housing all over the United States because they anticipated rental demand would spike and that long-term people that moved out of the cities will move back. Although Wynn was kind of questionable, but at some point they'll be moving back. The obvious question here in this thinking is about what, what does this mean for long-term demand for residential and commercial space in the Seattle market? What do you think? I think you just cheated and packed a lot of questions in there. The article about Seattle having more renters than owners uh, is, is a curious one because I, one sort of knee-jerk interpretation is, oh, that's a problem. Something's gone wrong with the housing market in Seattle. And, and I don't think that's the right way to think about the article. You, you look at major cities, New York, LA, San Francisco, large and especially expensive cities have had uh, a majority renter population for a long time, so that's, Seattle has not had that for, for quite a while, but maybe the story there is, hi, Seattle, welcome to the world of being a big city or a big expensive city, right? And, and with that, we have you know, some supply constraints in, in the region. So I would anticipate continued demand uh, on, on the building side. I mean, you were, you were asking about long-term demand for residential space. I, I think it's I think that demand is, is there because if I'm a builder, I'm gonna be trying to put together uh, opportunities to, to construct and, and whether I have to shift towards rental or some type of sale for owner, you know, for owner occupied, well, that's a detail we'll work out along the way. Uh, so I think, I think fine for, for residential. Commercial is gonna be interesting, right? All sorts of questions about what happens with people working remotely or some type of hybrid arrangement going forward. James, you and I have talked about this separately. I, I, I think you're going to find current building owners, landlords looking for short-term arrangements with lenders while they figure out what happens because the jury is still out on the extent of a hybrid work. Uh, some industries, some occupations, it's going to work well and, and people are not going to go back full-time to the office, but there's quite a lot of people who need to be, want to be, otherwise have to be in the office. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see some people trying to have short-term arrangements to work that out. And then we don't know whether we can go back densely and you'll have the, the, the bullpen sorts of spaces in offices, shared workspaces, or if we'll need more square footage per worker. Uh, so adjustments on the horizon. Not, I'm not too worried about residential. Commercial is going to be the fun one to watch. That brings me to thinking about employment in general, Josh. We've seen a significant increase in new employment claims this week, somewhere around a million. I've also seen headlines that we should expect record employment gains this year. Help me explain the obvious dissonance. Yeah, uh, that definitely looks a bit weird. But the thing is, if you're at rock bottom, any growth looks good. And, and I mean really good. 
Um, this is a problem we actually run into all the time doing research projects here at the center um, when we're looking at economic data from small counties. Um, and this is a bit of an exaggeration, but you know, if San Juan County opens a new store, employment numbers can jump in the double digits, whereas a whole shopping center can go up in King County and you'd barely notice uh, in the numbers. So the answer is deceptively simple. It's because employment is down so low that when the vaccine you know, inevitably allows things to open back up and we go back to even a stone's throw from pre-pandemic employment, that growth is going to seem big percentage-wise, even if really it's just a steep climb back to pretty low levels overall. Um, and so, you know, what's the takeaway from that? If you have our old forecast from pre-COVID, the March 2020 issue uh, should do nicely. Compare that to our latest from our December forecast. You'll notice that employment is still much lower, uh, you know, out through 2021 than we projected before the pandemic. Um, and that continues out through the next couple of years. And that difference is going to show the continued legacy of this pandemic on employment. Josh, we create monthly updates which are available to our online subscribers. Can you share anything you're looking forward to in the next set of updates? Yeah, James. Um, well, when the news cycle moves as fast as it has, um, every new economic story is old news. Uh, that's going to be the case with the latest updates as they'll be using November data. Wow, November feels like 10 years ago. Um, the nice thing is it'll, it'll paint a good picture of where our region was going economically as we headed into the holidays. Um, no big takeaways yet, but the general theme has been stronger than expected retail sales and a worse than expected labor market. Uh, by the time this podcast is up online, those updates should be there too. So go give them a look and make sure to check out our update on the Puget Sound housing market on the 25th of January, all on the website. Thanks, Josh. That sounds really interesting. I'm really looking forward to uh, checking that out. And uh, I look forward to your uh, fiction. I mean, nonfiction writing. Sounds great. That brings us to close this edition of After Office Hours with Puget Sound Economic Forecaster. We encourage you to follow us on social media, to have a front row seat of reading over our shoulder on a daily basis, and to learn about other ways to connect with us. You can always reach us via our website at cebr.ww.edu or by email cebr at ww.edu with questions, comments, or if you're interested in having a speak at your event, well, at least virtually. From all of us at Western Washington University, have a great day and be sure to do your part by masking up.